So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. The scene that's brought before us is one of authority and amazement, isn't it? When we think of power, we don't typically think of unity. But this is precisely what we see here in our gospel reading this morning. We see the glorious authority of Christ uniting. The glorious authority of Christ casting out and casting in. Right out of the gate, the evangelist shows in the first chapter that Jesus is powerfully on the move. He is teaching and casting out demons and healing. And this revealing of his power and authority will continue throughout the entirety of Mark's gospel. This theme of authority and amazement is heavily emphasized in our passage. And it fills every child of God with wonder and reverence and joy. At the very start, we see that all the stars seem to align. And this is indicated through four words. In the first verse, Capernaum, Sabbath, synagogue, and teaching. You see, the stars seem to align to show the authority and the amazement of this one who is Christ. The Old Testament prophet's message is fulfilled Capernaum, as the name suggests in Hebrew, Kafer Nahum, suggests that this was likely the village of the Old Testament prophet Nahum. And this is where Jesus comes to preach his first sermon. The words from which we heard from Moses in our Old Testament reading are being fulfilled, aren't they? For the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. This is the place in which Jesus preached his first sermon in Capernaum and at a synagogue. Capernaum was a wealthy port city at the northwest of the Sea of Galilee, a good distance from Jerusalem where the temple was. And so at Capernaum, there was a synagogue, a place where rabbis and visiting rabbis and scribes would read and exposit the law and the prophets. It was a place of scholarly exercise where the PhDs of the day would give insights and make propositions on Scripture by providing references and giving evidence to make their case. But Jesus comes and he speaks differently as he speaks with a strange authority, not like that of the scribes, For we read in verse 22 that they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And after he had taught, and after he had cast out the demons, we read in verse 27, they say, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Now, notice how this is the day of rest. It is the Sabbath. And this is significant. We've been practicing Sabbath here at All Saints for the past two weeks. After experiencing the busy liturgical season, it is good for us to rest, isn't it? 
Moreover, it is good for us to rest in Christ. It is a gift from God, and there is great wisdom in practicing resting in Christ. You see, Sabbath predates the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And our fourth commandment suggests this, doesn't it? This is why God commands for us to remember. Did you catch that? To remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It predates Mount Sinai. It was earlier that God had given manna to the Israelites for Sabbath rest. We read in Exodus chapter 16. And it was earlier, even still at creation, that we are told that God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested. Sabbath is a day of rest that reveals that God works for Israel. God works for his church and she receives that which she cannot earn. You see how important resting is. And we see this clearly in our text as Jesus opens his mouth with words that give wonder and reverence and joy. They give words and reverence or wonder and reverence and joy because we suddenly discover something that we cannot earn. And so as we consider the authority and the amazement of this one who is the Christ, let us learn two applicable points. First, if we are to receive the wonder and reverence and joy of Jesus Christ, then we must Sabbath. We must rest. You cannot escape Sabbath if you are to be a recipient of the grace of Christ Jesus. Not because we are to manipulate God and put him in a box, but because this is the glorious hope that has been revealed to us. We can rest. It is because of God's works that we rest. Yes, our hearts are restless, as Augustine says, until they rest in you, O Lord. And all that we do on these days of rest we must do them in a newness and a freshness, for he makes all things new. Yes, may all those who witness us practicing Sabbath say, what is this new thing that they do? Isn't there an interesting irony here in our text? Notice how the first to fully recognize the Christ in the incarnation of Jesus of Nazareth was not the scribes, was it? But the demons. You can work all you want. But that is not what makes you known by God. You can seek to know God all you want. But what will save your soul is being known by God. It is only Jesus that will make you known by God. And the fact that these demons are the ones to identify the Christ signifies spiritual warfare, doesn't it? A spiritual war that is waging that must be realized. It's easy to be blinded by the flesh and the world and the devil. There are many who seek to know God but are never known by God. 
The scribes may have sought to know God, but it's Christ who makes God known. So may we never rest until we rest in Christ. That is how we rest. It is Christ who reveals salvation, and it is Christ who gives Sabbath. Our hearts must be filled with wonder and reverence and joy because he gives us rest. The demons, they could not help but to recognize Christ. And they call him the Holy One of God. For their fate was in his hands. See, many are content to remain oblivious to the spiritual forces at play. But all will be recognized on that day. And the demons signify this, don't they? They know their fate. Even this army of the great deceiver, the devil, could not ignore the Holy One of God before them. May we never rest until we know that we are known by our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God. For when we are known, we are at rest. Yes, let us practice Sabbath in Christ and keep it holy. Sabbath is for man because of God's gracious gift in Christ. It is the Holy One of God who has come to man and has come to bring true rest. And by truly practicing Sabbath, we will surely echo those words from those who witnessed the authority of Christ in that blessed first sermon. We will be astonished and we will be amazed by the Lord. And this is the second lesson that we ought to grasp today. It is that every time we hear the word of God, may we respond with amazement and astonishment. Every time we open up God's word, every time we receive that refreshing encouragement from a child of God, may we be filled with amazement and astonishment because the Lord has come to save. The Lord has come to give us rest. Because authority is more of a glorious union than anything else. And when our hearts are filled with that amazement and that astonishment, we are discovering that blessed unity that only Christ can bring. You see, the very word exousia, which is the Greek word mentioned here, is a compound word. It's the word that means authority, but it's a compound word the word ex and the word usia. And this word literally means out of or from, substance or being. It's about a blessed union, you see, out of substance, out of being. It's about a heavenly union. And later in the fourth century, this derivative would reappear with the Greek word homoousios to describe the mystery of the glorious incarnation at the Council of Nicaea. And this compound word would mean something similar, of the same substance or of the same being. You see, 
some of the modern issues of our time is that we have this secular or this without God understanding of power. And this is what seems to bring this confusion. You see, authority is about unity. But in our modern age, we find ourselves confused because when we see authority, we think that there is something else. We have this phobia of power. This is what it causes when we understand this without God. We become content with division. We create checks and balances, and those are wise in a certain sense. But we think the answer to our abuses or to the abuses of this world is checks and balances. We think that that's the safe place, division. But that's not the safe place. Our psalm reads that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the fear of man, but the fear of the Lord. He is our safety. He is our hope. Yes, the only blessed wisdom that we can receive is to fear the Lord, not man. And our hearts are filled with amazement and astonishment. He is the power that unites and the power that separates. And we see this play of words continue in this passage. We see that Christ commands the demons to what? To come out. We see this in verse 25 and then in verse 26. We see that the demons did what? They came out. And in the following verse, verse 27, we see a gospel sign, the gospel sign of amazement and the witness of Christ's words and his work pointing to the expiation and pointing to the propitiation that he would later achieve on the cross by the resurrection. Yes, the good news is that he casts out and he casts in. He unites. He is the Holy One of God. And because He is holy, the demons see Him for who He is. And Christ does not tolerate them, does He? He doesn't tolerate their protesting, their screaming. He casts them out. You see, the devil may be the prince of the air, but Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. He breaks down dividing walls of hostility and he joins together. He unites. These demonic spiritual forces cannot help but to acknowledge him who is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in the age, this present age, but also in the one to come. They say, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. These demons could not be more clear in their confession. But neither is Christ. What do they have to do with him? In a sense, they have nothing to do with him. Christ would have nothing to do with them. 
They could not be farther apart from each other. He is good. They are evil. He is truth. They are false. He is light. They are darkness. It is his will that they must go. And it is his will that he must come. Yes, he is supremely powerful and he desires to save. There's no enduring relationship here with the holy God and this evil adversary. He cannot coexist with them. His relationship with them is one of conflict and defeat. And they realize this by his imminent arrival. If we wish to experience the wonder and reverence and joy of Christ, then let us believe in Christ, church. And by believing in him, let us repent. Let us never tire from casting off those works of the flesh. And let us never tire in putting on Christ Jesus. Let us see him and savor him. And let us be known by him. There is a war that is waging for the souls of humankind, but the beloved of God have no reason to fear because they fear the Lord who saves Jesus Christ. And so the question that we must ask ourselves is this. Are we known by Christ to salvation? If we are, then let us rest in the one who saves Let us rest and be amazed at the one who grants rest to those who are his. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.